Hi, I'm Emma. And I am Jenny. And this is Have You Heard Of. It's the podcast where two best friends finally hold each other accountable for all those pop culture recommendations we keep giving each other. This week it's my pick, and so we are leaping into the middle of a franchise with Mission Impossible 5, Rogue Nation. Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, But before we do that, I am going to do a spotlight swap real quick. Um, And I don't know if I've done this one before because it's very jenny of me to bring forward so i'm like you I also feel like said I... you would trust my memory to remember whether or not you've done it before so it's in the hands of god now okay so it's not even like a media thing it's just like a thing and it is having flowers and vases in your room <laughs> i don't think you've done that you've talked about bird sounds and you've yes. talked about the concept of framed photographs but i don't think you've talked about flowers <laughs> okay yeah that's why i was like it's in one of those realms of things but i just want to say how much joy it brings me to have flowers in my room i have never been a plant person and then about a month or and a half ago i just like decided to start buying myself flowers on sundays and just having them in my room and like as someone who has allergies i was like jenny why are you doing this but it doesn't even matter like they have never disappointed me they're just so happy to be here and exciting and like i never had a vase so originally i just had them in a water bottle and then i had them in like one of those like you know when you can get the cups at like cineplex that have like the logos of like whatever movie i just like had them in those and then i went to the salvation army and i just got like a vase or a vase and they just make me so happy and then also like emma sent me some flowers dude and i love them too she sent me this little like jar and it has african violets in them and it's just i like put them by my window and i like watered them and i'm like oh my god look at me go look at this life in this room and it just makes me really happy so if you want to treat yourself, but just remember, like, you don't have to have someone buy you flowers. You can just go, and you can just get it. You, you can just, just buy go to yourself the corner flowers. Store. It's so exciting, and you don't even need to buy expensive ones. Just buy, like, one or two. Like, I've been really into daisies lately. <laughs> like, the big nice. daisies. So just be getting daisies or, like, anything, really. Just, like, it just really brightens up my mood every time I see them, and... I just need everyone to know that it makes me happy. And if you think it'll make you happy, you should also do that because it's very exciting. <laughs> okay, speaking of things that are very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Rogue Nation. Yes. I guess I'll start. This is my pick. Okay, so Mission Impossible. I love this whole franchise. I am also a relatively... Actually, I was gonna say I'm a relative newcomer to it. I'm not anymore. I've been no. watching this franchise now for like ten years, which is yeah. insane. Um, as long as I've known you. <laughs> no, well, no, not as long as you've known me. I didn't. So the first one I saw was when Ghost Protocol came out. Wait, basically as long as you knew me, because then because I'm realizing I'm putting the timeline together. That came out in 2011. <laughs> so that you had yeah. a three month period of your life when you didn't know me as Wait, someone when who did loved it come Mission out? Impossible. Did, did it come um, out in like December? Ghost Protocol came out at uh, Christmas. Okay, yeah, of three months. 
2011. <laughs> so yeah, three months. Um, yeah, so I, I I had seen part of the second one in high school when we were watching like my English class. I can't even remember why was watching ten minute excerpts of action movies. We I had seen ten minutes of Mission Impossible two. Saw Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Was really into it. Was like mm. I just I have talked about this before. This is this is the Emma arriving today. It's the same Emma who loves Speed and Logan Lucky and like heists and action movies. Um, yes. And so I watched Ghost Protocol. Loved it. And then a couple years later was doing film studies courses. And this wasn't even on my course for, but that was specifically about action movies. But I wrote about, decided to write about the Mission Impossible franchise. And so for that essay, I watched episodes of the original series from the 60s and the first three movies. And then rewatched Ghost Protocol and wrote an essay about like, because this is another thing I really like about why I think I do gravitate towards long-running series and franchises so much is that I really like when a story takes up a large part of a character's life and not just, like, mm. a, one movie taking place over, like, ten years or whatever. It's that we literally have been following Ethan Hunt and Luther uh, since 1996. Yeah, I really enjoy, like character development and then when character yes. development can happen throughout a long amount of time it feels more not concrete because people change throughout their lives but it seems more valuable because you can really see that growth and development and change when it's like an ongoing it, movie it feels so more totally organic agree. when you're also yeah. watching these actors get older and go through like mm. life and then so it's like you're like watching these characters grow as you're growing up with them um mm. so even though i only came into the franchise originally halfway through the series. Um, the seventh and eighth film are currently in production. Uh, so, and I joined in, in Ghost Protocol, which is number four. Uh, mm. But Rogue Nation, number five, is really where the series takes an interesting turn because we're talking about how much we love character development and I do love beautiful action set pieces where you just get to like drop a little bit of character development. It's just all happening mm. as an anecdote almost. And then yeah. with Rogue Nation, it's really interesting to me anyways um but Christopher <laughs> McQuarrie uh wrote and directed it it was his first film that he directed for the Mission Impossible franchise he then followed it up with Mission Impossible 6 Fallout in 2018 and he's also signed on for the next two films as well um mm. and he has worked with Tom Cruise a lot also like I know Tom Cruise is an objectively bad person mm. um I don't know I guess I, I feel like I have to say that uh, Ethan Hunt exists in his own realm for me. I love Ethan Hunt as a character, yeah. so I think I'll just be calling Tom Cruise Ethan Hunt for the rest of this episode. But um That's fair. They apparently had a big discussion about what they wanted this movie to look like and how it could possibly set up new installments of the franchise. Because at this point, Ghost Protocol was a huge financial success. Um and then the first three had all been like pretty I mean decent enough successes to warrant a fourth film, but the fourth film oh, was like sure. IMAX huge made so 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 much money um and so they're like okay why are people still tuning into these movies is it just the action movies can we perhaps add something else that will like have them not just go back come like come in for new movies but go back and rewatch the old ones and mm. actually the mcu was a huge influence for them which is funny because this is also featuring Ooh. jeremy renner post hawkeye because he had had his cameo in thor but right before avengers um and so the mcu was a big influence on everything that Mission Impossible has done in the past 10 years because they realized that audiences were invested in characters as well, that it wasn't just about the action. And so they decided mm. to start doing a more serialized plot. Just comparing it to other spy movies as well, it's interesting, like, 
This is also around the time that James Bond started getting more serialized because up until mm-hmm. that point, you would have some recurring James Bond characters. You'd have Q and M and what have you. But then uh, after Casino Royale came out in 2007 and really reset the franchise, then they followed up with Quantum of Solace, which was the first direct sequel, I believe, in the history of the James Bond franchise. Like it was oh. him fighting the same villains, trying like a continuation of the same plot rather than just resetting again Mm. um anyways so yeah so rogue nation is so great it introduces one of my favorite fictional characters of all time which we will get into shortly and i'm about to choke on i think a popcorn kernel from popcorn i ate (laughs) earlier today that was stuck in my teeth so i'm gonna turn it over to jenny (laughs) oh well as emma goes through it um i i'm just gonna talk a bit about my experience with mission impossible when emma brought this forward i was like I may have seen this movie. I don't know if I have or not. I've definitely seen Mission Impossible movies. Um, I do remember seeing, like, within the past couple years, seeing one at the IMAX theater and being like, oh my god, this is amazing. And so I was very excited to watch this specific one. There were some scenes when I'm like, have I seen this? But, like, overall, no, because everything that was happening, I was like, I had no idea what the outcome was going to be. And... These movies remind me so much of my mother, because this is definitely my mom's favorite type of genre of, like, action, mystery, heisty kind of films. Like, it's just exciting and fun, and I was very excited to spend time to actually watch this film, and I even though it's, like, in the middle of the series, like... There wasn't a lot of background knowledge that I need to have, even though I have seen some of the films. I didn't feel like I needed to look up anything. It feels like a very standalone film in a way. All you need to know is that these people are close friends, and that's pretty much all I really needed to know. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's funny because um, I was thinking about it beforehand when I was like, this is weird. I want you to watch specifically number five. If I had had you watch six, then I would have had to give you backstory. If I had had you watch four, I would have needed to give you backstory. But five is just this moment. It's I would compare it really similarly to actually to uh, Fast Five when they introduced The Rock ah. um, to Fast and Furious of like season, not season four, Fast and Furious 4 was kind of a game changer for that franchise because when they stopped doing just focusing on Dom and Brian um, and started mm. bringing back all of the former characters and turning it into more of an ensemble-driven project. Um, and then mm. Fast Five, they're like, now that we have our ensemble, we realize what's missing, let's add in The Rock and really punch it up a bit. And I feel like yeah. that's what they did here, where uh, with Ghost Protocol, they brought back Simon Pegg, they brought back uh, Luther, who is um, played by Ving Rhames, who's the only other actor aside from Tom Cruise who's been in all six of these movies. Um, and so, like, they're Wait, bringing Simon in all Pegg these... Simon Pegg wasn't in all of them? Simon Pegg didn't show up until three. He is my favorite character in the whole franchise. <laughs> he's great. I so, love Benji a lot. I'm surprised he wasn't um, in all of them. Those he has he's my favorite type of character art like archetype. Like Yeah, the, he's like the smart very smart, goofy, but like very kind like that type of character. Very is, empathetic. Mwah, my favorite. He works really well as an audience surrogate too, because when he comes in in Mission Impossible Three, it's you've already spent two and a half movies watching Ethan do truly insane things without blinking an eye and so it's really nice to have Benji there to be like I can also do this but I will at least acknowledge that it is insane (laughs) (laughs) yeah and yeah so then Ghost Protocol they set up the ensemble they add in Jeremy Renner's character Brant and then 
Rogue Nation happens, and Mission Impossible is definitely a franchise where it's like, you can have one woman at a time. You can have one woman. But (laughs) I am going to give them the tiniest bit of credit in that it is not, at least with Rogue Nation, was not intentional. So my essay that I talked about earlier was me looking at action heroes and how the first, uh, I was promised I was only going to talk about this movie. I'm not going to. That was a lie. The first Mission Impossible (laughs) movie is really interesting because it brings in the original character, Ethan Hunt is an original character to this franchise, but the original star of Mission Impossible, I can't even remember this character's gosh dang name, uh, is played by John Voight and is Ethan's mentor in the first movie. And the twist of that movie Mm. is that he got fed up trying to save people and not getting any reward for it and has become corrupt and is only in it for the money and like tries to Mm. double cross Ethan. And a lot of OG Mission Impossible fans were pretty upset. They're like, hey, that's my guy. And you just made him bad. But yeah. it, like, it, it was setting up Ethan Hunt as like the new generation of action mm. hero films. And then exploring how his character changes in the first three movies with Ghost Protocol introducing William Brandt kind of as a, a setup for who would be next. And then in my essay, it was like, I'd rather either have them keep an ensemble or bring in more women. Um, and so mm. for Mission Impossible 5, they had wanted to bring back uh, two characters played by Maggie Q and Paula Patton from Mission Impossible 3 and 4 um, in addition to Ilsa. And then both of them were unavailable because they were both filming other projects and couldn't commit to it. So that was more ah. just contracting foibles. Um, and then I am really excited because they do Ilsa appears in this in six and will be in the upcoming movies as well they're also in seven and eight introducing Haley atwell is going to be in them uh paul clementieff from guardians of the galaxy is going to be in them and vanessa kirby is introduced in six and she will also be back so i am excited for upcoming movies like my greatest hope for this series is that they would bring in more women and now they are i'm so excited so like ideal world they also bring back maggie q and paula Patton. i believe it could happen i feel like christopher hopefully christopher mccrory has my back anyways so Rogue Nation, production process, a backstory briefly. Uh, it opened in the summer of 2015, made a absolute dump, tru- dump truck amount of money. Not as much as Ghost Protocol, but still $682.7 million. Uh, written and directed Damn. by Christopher McQuarrie. That's actually kind of a controversial credit because Christopher McQuarrie did not come up with the story. So this is also the first movie in this franchise that introduces the Syndicate, which is a villain organization from the series. And is introduced here as kind of a MacGuffin of if there's a good force that Ethan is a part of, then there has to be a bad version. Benji. Ethan, where are you? The Syndicate is real. A rogue nation trained to do what we do. An anti-IMF. They're coming after us with everything they've got. You ready? When they first brought it up, I thought this was something that I was like, this must be a reference I don't understand. Because they kept saying it. And first of all, I was like, how the hell do you spell that? And I was like, it's, uh, there's too many c- c- sounds. And I was like, is it K's? Is it C's? I don't know. <laughs> like, um, it'll be fine. Yes. Uh, this movie had a really ugly poster. Look it up. It's ugly. They could have done better. It has great opening credits. Uh, so I can't yes. speak to the process behind it, but I wanted to give a shout out to Aaron Becker and Seth Kleinberg, who were the executive producers and creative directors for the credit sequences, which are just gorgeous. Um, so story was actually by someone other than Christopher McQuarrie. And then he, Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise 
basically broke down the action sequences that they wanted to do because stunt pieces are a huge part of this franchise. It's definitely become a main identifier, especially the fact that Tom Cruise does not all, but a lot of his own stunts. So it was them breaking down, storyboarding all the action sequences, and then basically just making up a plot to try and find a way to connect them, which is interesting. So they have this huge sequence where uh, Ethan has to basically free dive and hold his breath for three minutes and do this extremely physically exhausting task. Um, so they yeah. were like, had gone into production for that scene, not knowing what what he, what task he was doing. They were just like working on boarding out the scene. They, like it's, they were really just making it up as they go and were like writing di- dialogue apparently the day of, and like people were getting their scripts the days what? they were set to shoot, which sounds bonkers. Can I quickly talk about that scene? Yes. Okay. So I feel like I, I knew that scene was coming because I, I vaguely, like, I have a horrible memory, but I vaguely remember him having to jump in something water. I, like, had to look away. It made me so nervous of, like, how long he had to hold his breath in there that whole time. And you know that thing where it's, like, how can people hold their breath for that long and, like, in movies and be able to do it? But I remember because it's, like, going in between different scenes, so it's actually not just the three minutes long, but... Oh, that made me so nervous. I had to look away. I was because like the whole thing of like drowning is that your body it's not that you don't have any oxygen or it's your body all of a sudden starts to start breathing in water and like your he body just that so well. It. I was like, Oh god, oh my stomach hurts. Oh, it's no. such a tense scene and like uh, I guess like just testament to the insane work ethic of this man in a frightly alarming uh frankly alarming way uh they did film that scene all in one they did one single take of that scene tom cruise held his breath for six minutes and also like this scene like for some reason in my head this happens like halfway through the movie like i thought this was like the ending scene and it's not it's (laughs) not what So I guess let's start talking about the actual movie because I I took a lot of notes about what I like about this. And so, like, I just love that these movies always open with a huge, huge stunt. And in this case, it's Ethan jumping onto a plane while it is taking off and then trying to break (laughs) into the plane. And I really like it because it and another action scene that they have about a third of the way through the movie at an opera house is this movie, this particular chapter of the franchise, really leans into older spy movies. It's like they remembered... Mission Impossible movies have always been really stylish. Like, you had John Woo, you've had J.J. Abrams. They've always been Brian De Palma. They've always been good-looking, fun movies. But this one is not afraid to lean into what maybe people love spy movies in the 60s. So you've got a yeah. lot of Hitchcock influences. So the plane scene is really reminiscent of like Alfred Hitchcock and North by Northwest. The opera scene is really similar to... Uh, is an homage to The Man Who Knew Too Much. I don't know when things go from being an homage to just kind of copying. I would say this goes in the (laughs) homage category, but I think it's just people are very particular. Like, if it's it's something you really like, then it's an homage. If it's something that does it poorly or if they're copying something tacky, then it's not, (laughs) I guess. Interesting. Um, But I really... One thing I really like is that no matter what movie you're watching, I don't think we ever find out a lot about Ethan or Benji or Luthor or any of them before they join IMF. You only know them as the versions they are now. So you, I have no idea what their lives were like, what like, what schools they went to, what their childhoods were like. It's just that they, they come onto the screen fully formed as characters and it puts more emphasis for the audience on... The relationships you're watching because you don't you're not thinking about what their other relationships are like you only know them in the context of the friendships they have in this film so when yeah. you have ving rames and simon Pegg talking about how 
he's their friend, it's like, yeah, yeah, as far as you know, they're, they only have each other. Exactly. You don't know if they have kids or, like, a family at home. Like, you don't, they get away of all the other things you have to worry about, so you just focus specifically on this dynamic, which mm-hmm. is really fascinating. Um, and, like, with this spectacle, I love how they just, like, start it right away from the get-go, and it's like, okay, here we are, folks. You came to see a Mission Impossible movie. Here is a, a mission that seems impossible, but they're going to do it, and it's fine. And you're like, oh, it's okay. Fine. And they, they have, like, some humor. Like, they get, let you know exactly what this film is going to be. There's action. There's stunts. There's humor. And there's a little bit of stress. And they're like, here you go. This is what's going to be. <laughs> I know. These movies are truly the only time I have ever wanted to see something in IMAX. Otherwise, I can take or leave IMAX. I know it's very impressive, but I do, it doesn't really mean a lot to me. These movies, mm. if I'm seeing them in theaters, it has to be in IMAX because they are so beautiful. I just need oh. to look at a very large screen. <laughs> Whatever the most recent one was, um, I saw it in the IMAX in Victoria with like the biggest screen and it was amazing it was fantastic it's amazing followed is probably my favorite movie out of all of them but it could not exist without rogue nation um i feel like followed is also my favorite because confession i did not see rogue nation in theaters (laughs) Uh, and I, i have no idea why i just didn't see it and it's so good um yeah so going into I'm not even going to try and focus on the plot. Basically, there's like a big bad terrorist organization that's an evil version of the IMF, which is the the spy organization they work for. And it's like, oh, no, can we stop the bad guys? MacGuffins abound. It does not matter. I really only care about the characters. And seeing Tom Cruise mm. almost kill himself, that sounds really awful. I just, he, I enjoy that he doesn't because I don't want to see a man die on screen. That would be really upsetting. Yeah. Um, I just like seeing what the human body is capable of, I guess. Mm, yeah, I... I have my three main notes about this film. Like my three main energies is one stunts two fun. Three. I love Benji. (laughs) Those are my three notes. Oh my God. Okay. Actually can we, okay. We're going to talk about Benji. We're going to do a little segment called uh, Emma checks the AO3 tag. Boop, 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 boop. Cause I realize every time we watch them, I'm like, wait, I've never dived in. Dived. Dove? I've never I've gone never... into the AO3 tag for yeah, okay, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Um, okay. So I wanted, so I, fascinatingly perhaps, uh, Ethan and Benji is the most popular ship on AO3. Whoa. Um, there's like, surprised. I did not write the total amount, but there's a little over 2,000 fix. There are 440 of them are Ethan Benji fix. Um, Damn. And then in comparison to Ethan and Ilsa, his, you know, now canonical love interest, uh, which is 121. And then Ethan and Julia, which is his wife in two of the movies. And that's only 34. <laughs> so I was like, that that tracks her fandom. Uh, also, hilariously, uh, do you want to know what the fourth? No. Yeah, the fourth. Do you want to know what the fourth most popular ship for Mission Impossible fan fiction is? Ooh. I'm not be... going to make you guess. Because you can't. Wait, I, I mean, wait. do guess. Is it people from this in this movie specifically? Like no. This? <laughs> okay, then, then I, yeah, yeah, you're right. I would not know. <laughs> the fourth most popular ship is people writing in Agent Coulson and Clint, aka Hawkeye, yeah, into the world of Mission Impossible and shipping them. So Clint Coulson is the fourth most popular ship for for Mission Impossible. Whoa. Fandom. Wait, but are, 
them as their characters in Avengers, but set in the world of Mission Impossible? Yes. So not even Jeremy Renner's character in Mission Impossible. He's, it's Hawkeye and Agent Coulson in Mission Impossible. Six wow. Oh, I love people. How they can just make connections like that. That's it's incredible. Great. I love that. It's truly incredible. Um, yeah. So Ethan gets captured by the main villain for plot reasons go watch the movie if you want i'm just here to talk about the characters and why i love them and he is chained up and he meets this woman who we don't we've never met her before and she's with with the bad guys and thus introduces one of the things i'm obsessed with but this movie is how much everybody in this movie trusts each other Mm, yeah because he is captured by the bad guys he says like a couple things to her and they just know he just from that is able to intuit that she is there undercover and she helps him escape and it's a thrilling action scene rebecca ferguson is so interesting i love her as an actor she's also in dr sleep in the greatest showman in the snowman and other things this is the greatest show yeah i have a connection to that later on (laughs) Ooh. okay cool um Yeah, but I really, I think, like, the, when I when I did eventually watch this movie, I already knew Elsa from Fallout. I already loved her as a character, but knew, so, like, but didn't know anything about her. And so he meets her, and they beat everyone's asses. She helps him escape, yes. and he just, before he goes, is like, we've never met before, right? And she's like, no, just get out of here. And it's so good. Oh, uh, I like that. They, yeah, like how you said, they have this knowing nod of like, okay, let's do this. And just let's do this. And then beat just some people up. Great. It's so good. Um, and it's an interesting, like, double agent, triple eight. Like, you don't know where she is the whole time, but like, it's so fascinating. And it's like, she hardly knows where she is because she's been undercover for so long and she doesn't know if the people she's. She knows the people she's working for undercover are ostensibly the bad guys, but she doesn't know if the people she's actually working for are bad guys. She doesn't know if she's a good guy. She doesn't know if anyone else knows if she's a good guy. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. A similar, and then briefly, too, is just, like, talking about how it's, like, the plot for this movie doesn't matter. It's just about the characters. It's funny because I was having a similar discussion about how much I enjoy art house films that are, like, super low budget, not a lot of plot, just vibes and aesthetic. Um, Mm. and I realized that this is not in any way or shape or form an art house film, but it's the same thing of just watching it and being consumed by it. (laughs) Ooh, yeah. Um, I like this. I like shows that like kind of bring you on a journey throughout the world in different locations and places. And I have that feeling like my mom does it all the time and it annoys me, but I realize I do it, which is most of the things is like when they're in London and I'm like, Ooh, I've been there. Ooh. I know I've that. Seen that. I, I've seen that. I'm like, Jenny, stop. This is no one cares. But it's like fun <laughs> to see different places and locations. And like when Benji gets to go to the opera, and man, he just wanted to go to the opera, man. I, okay. I also have to make fun of Benji a little bit because really, Benji, you thought you just won an opera ticket to Vienna? Like, Benji, yeah. surely you knew something was suspicious there. Before we get into that briefly, I also have to laugh because the whole conceit of this film was it's Rogue Nation because. The IMF, Impossible Mission Force, is shut down by Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin is the one actor I wish wasn't in this movie because he just feels so out of place in it. Like, I look at him and I just see Alec Baldwin. I don't... Mm. I wish he wasn't here. <laughs> that's that's my one complaint. There are some actors, when I see them, I'm just like, you're just this person. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with their skills or anything. It's just like... But I'm like, at this point, I'm like, that's just your Alec Baldwin now. You're Alec Baldwin now. I can't take you seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. 
but then so he shuts down the IMF and so Ethan has to go rogue and the whole thing is like Ethan's you know working apart outside of the government he has none of his usual support that is the plot of every single Mission Impossible movie only in out of six only in Mission Impossible 2 is he actually on a mission every other single movie he is going rogue (laughs) so I'm like that's that's not new to this film but I guess you also have (laughs) Ilsa gone rogue um and like I don't care if it is you know a male power fantasy of being able being the best at everything and being able to beat everyone up while also being the smartest person in the room I absolutely love it when Alec Baldwin throws a huge hissy fit and is like this is his last day as a free man and then it cuts to six months later and he's still on the run yes I wrote that down when it's like six months later I was like ha ha get him get him good get him um and yes, and so you have Jeremy Renner, Brandt, and Benji back at the CIA. Um, Benji has my ideal workplace setup. He's got three monitors. Incredible. Oh, yes. Um, yes. And then Benji mysteriously get, finds out he won a ticket to one singular opera in Vienna. And it's like, nothing weird about that. Guess I'm going to Vienna for the weekend. And then is surprised, <laughs> apparently, when it's even. I was like, Benji, you are a spy. You should have known better. That's just how much having a nine to five is breaking this man down. He just sees real. His skills are not sharpened. No, all that I have. He's playing like Halo at work, and he's just like, "Frick it, I'm gonna go to Vienna. Screw this." Mm -hmm. Um, and so Ethan is there, and they realize that someone is going to try and kill a powerful Viennese government official. Um, and who the does chancellor. he see? The chancellor, thank you. And who does he see? But Ilsa Faust. And what I think makes Ilsa work so well in the context of this film as a character, as someone in Ethan's world, is that it took a long time for this franchise to become more ensemble based, to build up characters like Benji. Um, so for up until now, you've only had. Ethan as the one who can do it all. Ethan can do everything. Ethan's never wrong. Ethan will risk everything to do the right thing, even if it means sacrificing his marriage. He's got, he had mm. to get divorced and his wife had to go into hiding in the previous film. That's the whole thing. Um, oh, because wow. Ethan's whole thing is that he feels like he can't be happy as long as he knows people are in danger and he could be doing something to help. And so no, you he's have, never going to be happy then. Exactly. So you have everyone defer to Ethan Ethan's always right. They're, he's friends with them, but they're not put on equal footing with him. They're his peers, not his equals. And then mm. you meet Ilsa, and she is that capable. She is that competent. She is that skilled. And she has been existing outside of Ethan's world this entire time. And she does get a little bit of a backstory in comparison to the other characters who don't. So you find out that she's been undercover and that she's desperate to go back and like be, be home and be free and feel safe again and so it's this moment for the franchise to look outside of ethan and in another timeline we've been watching ilsa faust movies for the past 20 years Ooh, i like that and so i just really like that she's been running her own story she's introduced as a comparable main character not as a supporting character yeah i like that that's true let's that um equality of like meeting an equal that you didn't know existed and like just wanting to know more. And that's kind of like what drives a whole film. 
And I really like her as a love interest for Ethan as well, because like we've already come off with Julia. Julia's also like a great, capable character. She's a doctor. She's super smart. Her and Ethan are super in love, but they didn't work because she didn't like that he was so used to watching over the world that he was men when they were married it just got all transferred into trying to watch over her and she didn't like that and he didn't like that he wasn't able to help people so it was a matter of like they're in love and that's not enough like you have to be able to work to have us be happy yeah and so then to like ethan's standards and morality are so warped probably because of all the head trauma that he's had um (laughs) blunt force trauma but also just like he does have this compulsion to help people and suddenly he meets someone who's like well matched in that and they just complement each other so well so it's like even Mm -hmm. though they're not there there's definitely chemistry in this movie there's no kiss in it and it's really nice because it's just them like feeling each other out it's yeah it's just like mutual respect but like Mm -hmm. also like hey How's it going? Truly, her Ilsa. This is an audio medium, unfortunately, in this case, because she has the most iconic for this franchise entrance into the opera house. Because action movies in 2007 were like all orange and blue and ugly, and now they're just still ugly. But now it's gray and brown and like dirty snow colored. Everything is so gritty in action movies. Like Mm. I just long for them to be more vibrant. And so she turns up at the opera house in this like bright yellow dress and it's so striking and then she's she's there to kill the chancellor and so she's getting set up and you just have this silhouetted shot of her massively long leg next to the rifle and it's such a good shot and it's so stylish like a much needed panache yes the aesthetic of like when she has to like take off her shoes so she can like run and it's just so classic and beautiful and i'm just making background sound because i got so excited about that (laughs) about her about her shoes yeah um (laughs) and not about her in the scene but one of my i thought was like so classic before he like just got blown up blown up blown up um, when the Chancellor was, like, in the car, like, bleeding out, his wife was like, are you okay? He's like, it's just a flesh wound. I'm like, yes, this man. He, and, but then the car blows up. And I was like, no! <laughs> but before, I was like, oh, my God, I love this Chancellor. He's just like, he's like everything's fine. Everything's cool. He he's knows rolling with if the he's calm, he's taking it everyone it else will be calm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, this is another moment, too. These movies, I don't know if they've ever been nominated for Oscar sound categories. I don't really notice sound design. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't notice sound design. Sorry, sound designers. And I don't really understand it. But when I watched this movie, when I watched this sequence of them, so there's all these different assassins in the house because they've got backups on backups on backups and there's these fight scenes happening in the scaffolding and it's during an opera scene and there's so you've got the opera music you've got the sound of people assembling rifles in time to the music you've got like things flying around backstage it sounds so cool and then um the chancellor is shot does survive initially r.i.p um but this is my favorite moment in the franchise i think is they Ethan grabs Ilsa again he doesn't even know her name at this point but grabs her and is like we gotta get out because otherwise they're gonna think we were trying to kill him which she kind of was and he also kind of was but oh well not the point yeah and they're running and she just stops and says shoes please and makes him take off her shoes and I love that so much yeah and also this movie came out the same year as uh Jurassic World and so I remember all the think pieces oh, about Bryce Dallas Howard running in heels in Jurassic World versus Ilsa getting to take off her heels and I was like Ugh. um but yeah. i do just love it's also <laughs> i think part of i also really like when this movie acknowledges that 
Ethan is a tiny person. Ethan is very small. <laughs> um, yeah. And has to use all of his momentum and force to make sure he gets where he's trying to go, uh, especially when he's going up against people who are huge. And so it's also just, you know, good for framing that Elsa, who is, I think, taller than Ethan, then takes off her, like, six-inch heels as well. But it's great. Just mm. shoes, please. What's oh, next? There. And kind She's of going back to you're talking about like the sound. There's a scene later on when there's a uh, road chase. That's not the word. Car chase. Road. Car chase. Yeah, I don't know why I say road. A car chase. And um, of and then they like switch to like motorbikes and stuff. And that sound, I because one of my favorite movies of all time is the 2000s Charlie's Angels. Anytime yes. there's like a back and forth between like car engines, I automatically think of that scene when it's like the creepy thin man and um, Natalie are like facing off in the cars and they go so like back and forth. So anytime there's any like car chase in anything, I just automatically think of that scene every time. I don't know why. I'm like, someone's gonna get shot off a bridge. I, know, I love when they're, yeah. So. In between all of this, you find out that Ilsa is undercover and that she's desperate to go return to MI6 and yeah. and plot things. They're spies. They're trying to save yeah. the day. They're trying to stop the big terrorist man. Um, yes, yeah, so we have the big water scene, and then we have this chase scene. And it's another thing, too, of, again, this movie just understands, finally, after all these years, what makes movies stronger is when it's not just the weight of the entire story on one character. And so you have these moments with Benji, with Ilsa, with Ethan, yeah. with Luther, and I really like all of them because everyone, not only are they all best friends, isn't, isn't that nice? Isn't that just what you want in a film where everyone's <laughs> nice. best friends? But they also, like, they trust each other and they all have a physical comfort with each other, too. It's just like, I, oh, I've talked about this all the time, too, but just, like, in, in lockdown, like, I miss being able to just, like, like, reach out and, like, nudge a friend in the movie theater or whatever. And so, like, yeah. um, this movie lingers at points that are just perfect for me you have a scene of ilsa climbing out of a a pool in a bikini and you see it but there's no slow motion booty shot of her emerging from the water instead what they do linger on is a scene where they're in the back of a car and ethan is finding out her backstory and he's like i need to check you for weapons and she just like leans in so that he can check her hairpin and it's just like they know went to prompt and it's Benji <laughs> Ethan has just drowned and then tries to dr- drive a car and tries to jump over the hood and instead this makes me laugh every single time just fucking bails just and I was like good so Tom Cruise you're soaking wet you're wearing an ugly shirt you were dead five minutes ago you tried to jump over the hood of the car and he just slides and all of his little limbs are like <laughs> and then face plants. So it's so good uh, also, um, I want to. And so Benji like does kind of grab him. It's like, let's go. <laughs> and it's just they're not afraid to grab each other. I really want a lipstick, lipstick, USB stick. That sounds amazing. Yes, that sounds so useful. I'm sure one right? exists. I'm, I'm sure, sure one shape like a USB exists, but or like a USB shape like a lipstick. But I would love to have yeah. both a lipstick and a USB. Yeah. That's what I think. I love this movie. Has not tried. A, a key tenant of Mission Impossible has been goofy as hell gadgets and so I'm really happy that they haven't tried to make them 
less goofy. It's you have face masks, you have lipstick USBs, you have magical lock picking keys. And it's all nonsense science, but it looks cool and it's fun. I like like that element of goofiness. Like you kind of talked about it with like he trudged up over the car and fails or like the scene when they're all fighting and Tom Cruise just keeps jumping and breaking windows attacking this guy and I found it so funny like also just another like crash I'm like dude what are you doing and it's just, just action comedy and it's great yes um I feel like I've been doing so much of the talking is there anything else you wanted to say about anything? um about Ilsa yeah, especially uh, because I love her well, one thing is that, you know, when she has, like, a knife fight with the um, bone doctor, the only thing yes. I could think of was that meme when it's like, what's that? A knife? No! Like, that's all I could think in my head. Because there's so many, like, gunfights and stuff. Or, like, just physical fights. But there's not a lot of knife fights. So I was like, ooh, exciting. Um, also, my my uh, my th- throwback, not throwback, throw forward, because it came out later, um, to The Greatest Showman is Ilsa and Ethan are talking and she's like run away with me because like no matter what they do like it's like now her own company is going against her and no matter what she does it's not enough and then I was like never enough and I was like but she sings that song I was like oh my god it's all connected together and it blew my mind so that was fun for me Ilsa fast lip sync for your life challenge um (laughs) and I also love the aesthetic and trope of putting an evil man in a glass box Yes, that is also one of my notes. I literally wrote the words, God, I love glass boxes. <laughs> yes. So they finally like, trap the bad guy. And it's so powerful because they're trapped and they can, but they have, they can visually see the outside and the people that have captured them. And there's nothing they can do about it. They have been made. They are trapped. And we're going to look at you. And it's like, Ooh, it's just, and he's like, looks around, he can't figure it out, starts shooting at it, and nothing is happening, and they're like, mwahaha, I'm like, yes, fun time. <laughs> I know. It's so funny, too, for that, the actor who plays the villain, uh, Sean Harris, I believe is his name, and he is more of like an indie and television actor, so I think he signed up for this movie and was like, obviously Mission Impossible, I will take those Mission Impossible dollars, but I don't really mm. want to do more than one of them. So, like, I know you guys kill the villain in every movie. I would really like to be in just one. And they were like, no problem at all, bro. We always kill our villains. He is the first Mission Impossible villain to survive, and he is in Mission Impossible 6. But, I mean, really, make that Mission Impossible <sighs> money. Um, uh, that's true. I know. I also, this is such a spy movie trope, but I always love the scenes where you have someone in a, like, bomb vest, and you have the villain in their ears, they have to speak for the villains. This happens to Benji. And again, it's like, Benji is bringing that sweaty, scared heat to the scene that I need in a movie. It's really intense. And then also, when he takes a moment to say, Ethan, this isn't me talking as the bad guy. Uh, I told you it was going to go too far, and now look what's happened. Oh, man. They're my favorite types of characters. It's like Fitz and, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, it's... Oh, I just love it. Works. It so works much. so well. Um, it works, and so I just well. love. See, I'm so proud of Benji because he starts off as someone who only works in the office, and then he becomes a field agent in four, and then by five, he hates being back at a desk. And you know what that is? Growth. Growth. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I also, the more movies I watch, the more like when I see actors in other things I've seen, like I'm just I can't not associate them with the thing I've known them the most as. And I don't know if you can guess which character I'm thinking of. Are you perhaps talking about the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom? (laughs) Yeah. 
like some people can see him as like Pride and Prejudice guy, but I see him as the Pirates of the Caribbean guy. Like the entire time, I was like, "Of course he's a predator. He hates pirates." I've just figured out what I'm going to make you watch next for my pick, and he's also in that. So fun! Oh, okay, exciting. <laughs> I love how you can guess which one. But yeah, I like every time he was going, I was like, "Oh, this is like I can't not associate him with being a Pirates of the Caribbean," because like I watched the actor is Tom so Hollander. Times. Um, yes, Tom and, Hollander, yes. <laughs> uh, also, just uh, in this scene, truly, like, if anyone's listening to this episode and is like, I haven't seen the movie, will I get spoilers? No, you won't, actually. <laughs> um, but I will just say, like, is it even a Mission Impossible movie if you don't have a scene where someone's wearing someone else's face? No. Also, every time yeah. I watch this movie, I always forget who's who's wearing whose face. I'm like, wait, which one's not really them? <laughs> it's classic they do that in charlie's angels too i just love those types of like crime heist movies when it's just like yeah we can just be someone else's face and it's fine and you'll you'll never know or even like in um avengers when it's like oh i'm sorry did i step on your moment and she's like i'm like yes black widow coming in handy uh i know you can also tell that this is like a and I mean, I will never get tired of this move. They can do this move in 2021 and I'll still be into it. This is a very, like, 2014 action move of... Remember how Black Widow's, like, signature fighting style was the thighs of doom? Yes. In Avengers? Ilsa pulls that move on the Bone Doctor. Yes. And like, nice. Um, yes. And you talked a little bit about it before, about Ilsa wanting... Trying to convince Ethan, like, we can do this. We can go to the MI6. We can go to the CIA. We can try to stand up to land on our own. Or we can just leave. And what I like about it, strong best friend vibes, is that you have Luther and Benji in Ethan's ear and Branch you and they're all weighing in on what she has to say. And they're like, mm, that's not going to work. Oh, shit. She said that. And it's just, <laughs> I was like, this is, this is skipping the middle ground of having a conversation with your crush and going back to tell your best friends all about it. The best friends are just already there. Yes. <laughs> an- yes. Ready to analyze. <laughs> Which is like, oh, it's so perfect. It's the classic, like, Disney Channel TV show when like someone's in someone's ear and I'm nervous about a date and then it's like they fall in love with the other person yeah but that's a whole other thing but things like in your ear like man love it yes love it love it um anyways what I love about this franchise and about this movie in particular is that I love the characters and I love this movie you finally get to see them interact as a whole team it took them four movies to set up the team and now they've got the team and it rocks mm. it's a great combination they all trust each other they all like each other um they stop the bad guy they save the day Ilsa gets to go home and her and Ethan hug goodbye and they both have this little they do both do this little sad face sigh where I'm like is this the first time either of you have been hugged in like three years damn oh Oh my goodness. Pandemic who? I know. And it's just like, (laughs) he has a new friend who gets it. They have new friends. He's like, oh, it's wonderful. And like Benji likes Elsa. Everyone thinks she's neat. Um, The IMF gets reinstated. Alec Baldwin, everything works out well. Thoughts on Mission Impossible Rogue Nation? Yes. I really enjoyed this film. I... I had to watch it in three goes. I don't know why. It's long. But like... okay. It's long. it's like I started it like at 9 p.m. and then I was like, oh god, I can't get, I, I can't go to bed. And then I watched it again and then I took a break and made food and then watched it again. But the thing is because like there's a lot of different parts in it, so it was okay to kind of watch it split up. It works um, when they've broken watching... it up into all the different action pieces because you're like, oh, they just got through the car chase. I'll pause. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, this film really made me want to like just watch the whole series to just see like how everything is connected and like the growth of them all. The whole series is really fun, and I used to not really like the first one as much, but it it because it's not as flashy as later installments, but it's really fun. It's like you have Vanessa Redgrave plays a really interesting character in the first one. She plays Max, this like cool older British woman arms dealer. And then in six, they introduce a character who's her granddaughter and is a cool British arms dealer. And I'm just like, hey. Hey. Um, And it's interesting too, going back to the age and like, like watching these characters experience life in real time. It's um, like in, in the upcoming Mission Impossible movie, Tom Cruise is going to be the same age as John Voight was in the first one. So, like, I would be really interested, again, like, if you have the first movie be about him and his mentor, have Ethan start to mentor someone. Like, that's really what I want to see. I want to see, like, more women come in. I want to see him realize he does have to step out of the field because he keeps shattering his ankle and almost drowning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I... The older I get, the more, like, before I would watch movies as more of, like, not like a background because I always like focused on them, but I liked more of like fantasy films like Lord of the Rings, Pirates of the Caribbean, or like Disney films. But the older I get, the more I want like those smart, witty films like mm-hmm. this, which is action and like suspense to a point because I get I'm a very anxious person, so I don't want too much suspense to a point when I'm like nervous, but like a good level of it with a mix of, of humor and stuff in there. So I feel like this, this franchise has a really good balance of all of that. And plus I currently not right now because it's close, but I, I, I live close to IMAXs and I would be down to see one of these films again in an IMAX theater. I'm so excited for the seventh one to come out. Um, but mission impossible five rogue nation is just so good. And like you said, like it's really smart. I, I am all for dumb action movies too, but if people were to compare this with, I don't, I don't know, Transformers? Like, the action level is there, but the, the heart and the skill behind it is not. Not to deride mm. the efforts of, like, the Transformers stunt teams. I'm sure you've worked very hard. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're just, they're really smart, where it's, like, the plots are never in detail, but there are always really interesting things. And so, like, with this movie of Ethan and Elsa being people who have put their absolute faith in the government they work for realizing that that's not always going to be there to support them and that you have to push back and it is like the heart of these movies is doing the right thing when you know it's the right thing to do because you know it's the right thing to do so pretty much Mission Impossible is pretty much the arc of Captain America in the MCU yee Honestly, I feel like Steve Rogers and Ethan Hunt would be very good friends. Ilsa and Natasha would get along swimmingly. Oh my god, I'm just picturing, like, Sam and Benji. And I feel like Bucky and Luther would get along really well. Yes. Well, because I'm just thinking of, like, how Captain America, his whole thing, like, his arc in the movies was being, like, with the government and doing what you're told. And all of a sudden, like, in... Um, Winter Soldier realizing like okay wait shit like this is not really what's going on and then changing it and then going rogue and then I'm like hey it's Captain America my final thought for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation was in my notes fun good time fun good time (laughs) this has become truly one of my comfort movies if you ask me what my comfort movies were I used to say Hairspray Legally Blonde Dirty Dancing truly all fantastic Ooh, films that so do good. bring me great comfort but i was like i don't even remember the last time i watched any of those movies and so i realized now that it's like no now my comfort movies are the guest and rogue nation and mission impossible fallout and action movies I'm just like, nice so good um 
I'm so glad you liked it. I really hope that I can come to you for the seventh one and we could go see it at IMAX together because it'll be such a banger of a time. For my little closing activity that I prepared today, uh, quiz time with quiz time! Yeah, 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 yeah! And I knew I wanted to do a quiz because I was like, we're gonna, you're already gonna hear me talk a lot, so I didn't want to do like another discussion topic. So I was like, I, I once I start talking about this movie, I cannot stop. So we're just gonna go into question and answer period. And as I was making my notes, and as I suspected with our conversation, we talked a lot about the stunts in this film. The stunts are incredible. Incredible. Yes. I wanted to give a shout out to the stunt coordinator for this film, who is Wade Eastwood. Well done, sir. Cool. Well done. Um, actually, when he, they were filming the car chase scene, too, uh, it was actually Simon Pegg and Tom Cruise in the car for filming. Like, they were the ones doing it. And I think Simon Pegg was a little nervous, or maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was just asking. He was like, shouldn't we get a professional driver? And Mr. Wade yeah. Eastwood was like, no, Tom is the best driver we had. <laughs> we have. <laughs> He's really good. <laughs> Damn. Um, <laughs> Yeah, anyways, but I wanted to talk a little bit about just stunt performers in general. And so uh, I feel like there's been a lot of discussion in the past couple of years about should there be a stunt category at the Oscars? I think that would be really interesting oh, and really cool because yeah. it's a really dangerous, difficult job that requires so much planning and so much physical strength. And Yeah. Um, I also, like, I love stunt shows, like, in Disney World when we saw, like, the Indiana Jones Stunt spectacular, or like they have one in Universal that Studios. Hosed like, me so badly. Stunts. Pardon? The stunt spectacular Disney hosed me so badly. I <laughs> fell for it so hard. I know, I know you did, but it's so it's so great and fun, and they deserve way more props because like the amount of studying and practice and technique to go into doing these stunts and not hurting yourself deserves an award. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so the SAG Awards, the Screen Actors Guild Award, actually do have a uh, outstanding performance by a stunt ensemble and a motion picture award. They also have Ooh. an equivalent version for television, which is really cool. The SAG Awards themselves are actually relatively new. The first ceremony wasn't until 1995, so they've only been around for about 25 years or so. Mm. Um, that's the right math. That's the right math. Oh, I became so scared for a moment. Um <laughs> And then they actually didn't introduce the stunt category until, well, for 2008 ceremony, about 2007 films. Um, okay. So the first three Mission Impossible movies were not eligible for any stunt awards because that award didn't exist yet. Um, and then okay. we got, they have been nominated several times for movie four movie five movie six but they've never won so my little quiz today is um the years that mission impossible movies came out what did win best stunt ensemble oh oh okay and actually just even flipping through the nominees made me realize how little i know about stunt planning and like stunt coordinating because Movies I would have expected to see there for some years weren't there, and movies I wouldn't have expected. So, like, my main example that made me realize how little I know is in 2012, The Avengers wasn't nominated for Best Stunts, but Les Mis was. So, like, something was happening there. Something was Um, happening there. Something was happening there. Okay. So, in 2011, Mission Impossible 
Ghost Protocol was released. Uh, it okay. was not was not nominated for Best Stunt Ensemble. Um, and so I have my... This is a little bit of a complicated quiz set up. So okay. for my first hint, I'm going to describe one of the main action sequences. But all of these okay. movies have really distinct character names. So I've changed all of their names. So it still has the same first letter, but it's all different character okay. names. So I'm going to describe an action I've scene seen? These are all movies you have seen or heard of. I'm pretty sure you've okay. seen all of them. You've definitely okay. heard of all. No, you've seen all of them. Okay. Okay, cool. You've definitely okay. seen all three. So in 2011, <laughs> okay. there was a winner. <laughs> As it happens with most award <laughs> shows, I'm going to describe one of the main stunt sequences with fake character okay. names. Okay. While Harvey confronts Victor in a duel throughout the castle, Maggie kills Beatrice in the Great Hall, and Nigel decapitates Naomi, making Victor mortal. Whoa. Okay. Someone decapitates someone and then makes them mortal? While Harvey confronts Victor in a duel throughout the castle, Maggie kills Beatrice in a fight in the Great Hall, and Nigel decapitates Naomi turning Victor mortal. The first thing I thought it was the Three Musketeers. Okay. I don't know why. It is not the Three Musketeers. So I do have a second hint prepared. Please, please. So these are keywords. If you go on IMDb, IMDb will give you keywords relevant to the plot. These are the keywords for this movie. Oh, wait! Final battle. Wait, wait. Wait, no, never mind. Never mind. Continue. Evil Sorcerer. That didn't come out then. (laughs) Final battle. Evil Sorcerer, and Back from the Dead. Evil Sorcerer, Back from the Dead? I would say Final Battle is probably your biggest hint there. This, Return of the King didn't come out in 2011, did it? No. So okay. I would say I will say the key pieces of information I am giving you is there's a duel in a castle, a fight yeah. in the Great Hall, someone or something gets decapitated, and someone goes from being immortal to mortal. Um, if you're stumped, I can also give you the description with the character names. Okay, wait, okay. No, I can, I can, okay. Okay, I'm going to ask a hint, but this, I'm going to, okay. So, is this a final movie in a series? Yes. Okay. Final it came battle. out in 2011. We've just graduated high school. We haven't been to university yet. It came out that summer. Oh no, this is gonna okay, wait. They're fighting and then someone gets decapitated. Talk it through. Castle Wait! Oh wait. Yeah. Do they get decapitated? Wait! <laughs> wait! Wait, is this Harry Potter? This is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Oh my god. Oh god. While Harry confronts Voldemort in a duel throughout the castle, Ma uh Molly Weasley kills Beatrix, or not Beatrix, Bellatrix in the Great Hall, and Neville decapitates Nagini, making Voldemort mortal. Oh, God. Wow. What a journey I just went through. I know. I felt like it was me, but I was like, as soon as I say Voldemort, that's too obvious. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Okay, The problem with me is that I can never tell when any movie ever comes out. So, like, you say 2011, I was like, that could mean anything to me. I have to I think about know. where, what city I was living in at the time. I have to be like, what theater would I have seen this in? Oh, my God. All right. Wow. 
So other nominees that year. That's all good. Other nominees that year were the Adjustment Bureau. Remember that one? Cowboys and Aliens. Remember that one? Transformers, <laughs> Dark of the Moon, and X-Men First Class. All right. Next up, 2015. Okay. Rogue Nation was nominated but did not win. Okay. okay. Um, so here is a description of the final stunt sequence for this movie. Again, with fake character names, because again, they all have really distinctive character names in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But I tried to keep the same first letter for all of them. All right. Okay. After realizing that the green place is now uninhabitable, the group decides to return to the Citadel and engage Jack's forces in a battle. Nick sacrifices himself by wrecking a rig. Francesca kills Jack but is seriously wounded in the process. So Mark does an emergency blood transfusion to save her life. Do you want keywords? No, no, I know. I just, I know it. I know it. I just, what is it? It's Fury Road? Fury Road. Oh, Mad Max. That's what it was. I was like, okay, it's great. I could visualize the whole thing. I was like, what the hell is it called? After realizing the green place is now uninhabitable, the group decides to return to the Citadel and engage Morton Joe's forces in a battle. Nux sacrifices himself by wrecking the rig. Furiosa kills a Morton Joe but is seriously wounded. And Mad Max himself, Rokotensky, does an emergency blood transfusion to save her life. The other nominees that year were Everest, Furious 7, and Jurassic World. All I right, think I this... just redeemed myself, thank God, from the last one. You got that one. very fast. Oh. I know, okay. So this, the last one, so... Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout came out in 2018. It was nominated and did not okay. win. Uh, it lost. Again, okay. they all have really distinctive names. I'm so sorry for what I have changed them to. <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> Trevor, Oakley, and Nicole travel to South Korea where Talon plans to sell the artifact to a CIA agent. A firefight erupts in the casino where they are meeting, and Talon attempts to flee but is caught... Yep. <laughs> By Trevor and High Speed Chase. I know, I was like, fake names. Yes. Black Panther won. I'll uh, let you continue. No, that's, uh, so yeah, so T'Challa, Okoye, and Nakia travel to Busan, South Korea, where Ulysses Claw plans to sell the artifact to a CIA agent. A firefighter erupts in the casino where they are meeting. Claw attempts to flee, but is caught by T'Challa in a high-speed chase. The other nominees that year were Ant-Man and the Wasp, Avengers Infinity War, and The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and Mission Impossible Fallout. Maybe they'll get him next year. Maybe maybe Mission Impossible <laughs> will finally be your time to shine. Whew, okay. Man, I'm I am still so disappointed in my the first one. I just named every movie I knew. I had no idea when they came out. It was, like, eh. was a long time ago. I'm gonna cut you some slack it there. It was. It was very long ago. Thank you for that. That was fun. I love quizzes. I was telling when Emma told me it was gonna be a quiz, I'm like I suck at quizzes, but I just enjoy doing them anyway <laughs> because it's just fun. To because do. that moment when you do figure it out is so satisfying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, thanks, Yee. Emma, for that. That was wonderful. You're welcome. Um, so that's all from us this week. I never know how to segue into closing, but whatever. You've been listening for an hour. You're probably ready to to move on to something else. You can follow us on Twitter or Tumblr at HiHo Podcast. That's H-Y-H-O Podcast. You can also listen to our Spotify playlist, Guess What We're Called There, uh, or email us at HiHoPodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, we will see you in two weeks. And remember to like what you like. Your opinion is valid as long as it's the same as mine.